again soon. And um, so we appreciate your patience in joining us on Zoom. Um, as well, my son, is I know he'll be happy if I say hi. So hi, Bert. Um, yeah, I know he and also I see Matt, who's leading worship tonight. And I, I, I'm going to do this, but um, make sure to keep uh, Charlie. Many of you guys know Charlie, our worship leader. His uh, sister contracted corona, and so he's home quarantining with the whole family and all the rules. They're all doing well. But uh, Matt graciously stepped in as well to lead tonight for two weeks in a row, so we appreciate his time. Um, to all of you, for the sacrifices you're making, for the involvement in this church, thank you. Um, if this is your home church, I encourage you to get involved one way or another. Uh, it is truly a joy. And tonight we see uh, Paul teaching the Thessalonian church. And the title of my sermon tonight is, Are We Known? Are we known? What is the difference? And this is what we're going to talk about. What is the difference between being seen, just seen, versus truly being known for who we are? In this letter, just as a little bit of background, uh, pretty straightforward. It's a letter written to the church in Thessaloniki or Thessalonica. It's, um, if you have a little map in your Bibles, it's <laughs> here's Greece. It's this little city right up here at the top of Greece, right next to Macedonia. Um, and you can read all about Paul's ministry there in Acts chapter 17, if you want to read it about it later. In Acts chapter 17, it tells us that Paul and Silas uh, were there for some time, and they actually preached, it says, for three days and reasoned with Jews there and, and Gentiles there for three days about the teachings of Jesus Christ and what that means for us. And Acts also tells us that many came to faith in, in these three days, and the church was born there. But as many people came to faith, so many people also rose up to oppose this new faith and this new belief. Some people did not like it at all. That uh, some of the Jews in the area actually were so mad at Paul and Silas for doing these things, they incited a mob. It says in Scripture that they incited a mob, and, and then they blamed the Christians. They had this kind of big riot formed in the city, and then they said, it was the Christians. It's their fault. It was that Paul and that Silas guy. And so they went to arrest them, and they couldn't find them. Um, and the story goes on to say that some other Christians were arrested and put in jail, and, and some bad things started happening. The persecution actually got really, really bad. And so Scripture tells us that Paul and Silas had to leave because they were actively searching them out as these leaders of the Christians. And so Paul, when he left, turns around then and goes to write the church after he is gone to encourage them, to say, keep going, keep doing the things you're doing. This may be our oldest like the first letter Paul wrote. It's early on in his ministry, and he is encouraging the church that he really just sort of started. He preached there, he taught there, all of these people came to Christ with him, and, and then he couldn't stay. And so here we have the beginning of this letter, and we'll do this over the next couple of weeks, First Thessalonians. But verse 1 is pretty straightforward. It's Paul's introduction. Grace and peace to you. I'm Paul. You know me. Okay, good. Verse 2. He says that we pray for you. We thank God for you. Right? Um, I feel like I've been talking about this a lot recently in both the morning and the evening services. But uh, this is something that seems to come up over and over in Scripture. Praying for one another. Sharing our burdens with one another. Being honest and open about our struggles and our fears and our desires. Um, 
I know it's uncomfortable and I know it's hard, but I would say this actually isn't really a negotiable point in the Christian life. You know, the reason we have these people sharing from home groups and that we have this list of all of these different home groups is because um, if this is all we have in church is just coming and sitting and listening to me talk, um, I'm not enough for you. (laughs) I really hope this is not all you're getting. I hope you are engaging with other Christians. I hope you are coming together and praying and sharing life together. Um, And I think it's clear in Scripture. I think it's clear in Scripture that this is a call, and we see it over and over and over again, that we should be lifting each other up, especially in the church. And so he says, not only do we pray for each other, but we also remember the things God has done. Verse 3, he says, I remember the work you guys did. I remember the partnership we had. I remember your love for God and your endurance to withstand this persecution. Right? So not only do we pray for one another, but we also encourage one another with the things we see in each other's lives. Right? And so if I see someone do something nice, if I see someone serving well, I want to encourage them. I want to write them a note. I want to do something for them. You know, I don't know how often you do this. Some people are really naturally good at this. Right? You know, the kind of people who always are writing notes, who always are writing thank you notes, who are always doing little things that are really encouraging. Some of us really have to work at this. Right? Like growing up. Mom, if you're listening, I know you listen a lot of the time. She would have to just, like, force me, sit me down and force me to write thank you cards after her birthday or Christmas. Because without help, sometimes I just forget. And yet, we see in Scripture that this is another great principle for the Christian life, that not only do we pray for one another, but we encourage and we're thankful for one another. Not just to each other, but to God. And we say we thank God for you. I thank God for my musicians and our musicians who help lead worship on Sunday night, because otherwise it would just be me, and some of you have heard me sing. I thank God for people who stand up here and read Scripture. By the way, if anyone ever wants to read Scripture to lead prayers, let us know. I thank God for the ushers who help clean after everyone leaves. Do you know they clean the bathrooms every Sunday night after everyone leaves? We have volunteers. We're not paying them. I mean, I thank God for all of these things, and so we pray for each other, we encourage each other, and we thank God for them. We say thank you. Even in my office, I have this, it looks like a book, but it's a fake book, and instead of having something really valuable, well, it is really valuable, but I keep all of these notes from years of ministry in it. I used it in the children's ministry, or the children's sermon this morning, and sometimes, and this is true, when I'm just having a bad day, I go into this little box and I find a note from someone. I find a note from someone, it could be from years ago, And it just encourages me and cheers me up. And so to you now, think about this. Think about, am I doing this with my brothers and sisters in Christ? Am I engaging with them in a way of ministry that is encouraging and lifting them up, as Paul was doing with the church in Thessalonica? Is this a regular practice in our life? Because, I mean, how great is it to get a note? How great is it to get something like this? And so then what is Paul's encouragement? What does he say to them? Verse 4, he says some pretty cool stuff. He says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. We know that God is with you. We have seen the work in your lives. And so let me just say to you, I know God is with you. And then he says, why? Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. What kind of power? Life-changing power through the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. See, 
this passage talks about deep conviction and power coming through the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, he says in verse 6, how you became imitators of us and imitators of the Lord. See, church, conviction, change, power in your life does not come from your ability, but it comes from you imitating our Heavenly Father. You know, if someone were to ask you the question, who is God, how would you answer that? Hey, you go to church, right? Tell me, do me a favor. Who's God? Um, I don't know. How do you answer that question? Because how we think about God really matters. What we think about God really matters. You know, many of you have heard me talk about this in sermons and coffee or whatever is our functional image of God, right? I do this, I talk about this all the time. So if we believe that God is an angry, evil old man in the sky, shaking his finger at us from heaven, waiting for us to mess up, that is going to come out in our daily life. That is going to come out in how we live life. Right? And unless you really want to turn into a grumpy old man, we do not want to be imitators of that God. Right? We do not want to be imitators of a God who is angry and who is unjust. We do not want to be imitators of a God who is spiteful or distant. See, what Scripture teaches us is that, is that the character of our God is loving is creating. Our God is supporting and forgiving. See, when we become like God or when we become imitators of God, we become lovers of all people because God is a lover of all people. When we imitate God with our lives, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us with deep conviction, we become creators the same way God is a creator. We create amazing things in work. We create amazing things with our family, in art, in music, in anything. Our very act of creating something is imitating our God because he is a creator. Our God is supportive and loving. We become supportive and loving of others, just like Paul is doing here of their gifts and their talents. We become forgiving people when we imitate God because our God forgives. We become peacemakers where there is conflict because our God desires restoration for the world church, to be an imitator of God is to be all of who he is to this world. We model the character and nature of God to this world. And this is exactly what Paul is saying to the church. Look at verse 7. And so you became a model to all the believers. You, through your faith, through your conviction, through how you stood up in suffering, church in Thessalonica, you became a model of God church, we don't just do these things for our own benefit, right? We do these things for the people around us. People will see it. You know, I, I say this a lot. If you're a Christian and you're pursuing God, you cannot hide it for long. Every situation I've ever been in, even if I don't outwardly say I'm a Christian, even if I don't outwardly proclaim it, I'm not wearing my little name tag, you know, like, hello, my name is Sam and I'm a Christian. Uh, <laughs> people find out. Like, hey, why'd you do this? Hey, why do you act this way? Hey, why, why, why? Well, because I believe it's the right thing to do. Just today, there was, I don't know, any of you saw him outside Coke, it's right out in front of Saddlehook, and there was a guy trying to hand out books on uh, yoga and meditation. And he said, hey, do you speak English? He said, yeah. 
how about a book on meditation? You can be stress-free. And I said, no, thanks, I'm good. And he said, why? I said, well, to be honest with you, I'm not super stressed. He said, well, why? Because I believe there's a God who loves me, and he's got my past and my future covered, and so I'm, I'm good. And he sort of smiles. And, and church, when we do these things, when we imitate God, when we lead these things, people see Christ in us. People see God in us. And this is what Paul is encouraging the church again in verse 8. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia, but everywhere. Everywhere, people are hearing about you and your faith and your imitation of God and how great it is. Verse 9, the testimony of the work you have done. People know, people hear. So looking at this letter then and thinking about you and me and what we're called to do, let me ask you, what does it mean to be known versus just seen? What does it mean to be seen as a Christian? Well, I think to be seen as a Christian is people see that you go to church. People see that you read the Bible. People see that you maybe pray in a restaurant. People see that you come from a religious home. People see these things, and that's a good thing. Right? Don't get me wrong. These are good things. But to make an impact, what if there was something deeper we could do? What if there was something more we could do? To make an impact, what if we were known to be a Christian? Do people know you and why you do what you do? See, to be known is when people know why you do what you do, not just see you do it. Does that make sense? That you do these things with what? Conviction. And not just conviction, but deep conviction with the Holy Spirit. I know he, she goes to church because they believe it is essential to their life. I know he, she gives to charity because they truly love other people. I know they read the Bible because they rely on that book for everything it says. I know that person is a Christian because I see the things they say in their life. See, it's not just being about an imitator of God so that people see. It's about being a convicted deeply convicted imitator of God with the power of the Holy Spirit making God known to the world around us. And so my question to us is, is this, is this what the world knows of us? Do people just see us doing these things or hear about us doing these things or do people in our lives experience us doing these things? Do people in our lives feel and know that we do these things to be imitators of God? Do people around us feel the very love of God through us and in us? It's a difficult question because sometimes it's really convicting. People see us living for God all the time. But are they experiencing the living God through us? Are the people around us experiencing a relational loving God through you and through me? Do people know the love of God through you? Do people know you are a creator and you create things to bring God into the world? Do people know of the forgiveness of the Lord because of how you forgive? Do people know the love of God because of how you love them? We are to become imitators of God with conviction 
so that we are not just seen by the world, but so that we are known by the world. I had the huge privilege watching yesterday afternoon as they're officiating a wedding between Caleb and Donna, many of you know them. And they chose the passage, Micah 6, 8, you know, walk humbly with your God, justice, mercy, all that stuff. And I thought this was a great example of this because what I told them is, hey, if you want a successful marriage, you need to walk humbly with your God and then go and love your wife. If you want a successful marriage, you need to be an imitator of God and then go and love your husband. Right? Each and every day, whether it's marriage, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whatever we find ourselves doing, we are called to walk humbly with God and to be known to the world as followers of Jesus Christ. Not just be seen as people who, oh yeah, you like that Jesus guy, right? No, but we are known and people see these things in us because we have conviction. And I think the first step to this, it sort of seems counterintuitive, but trust me on this. If we really want to do these things, if we really want to start this out, and some of you may be thinking, how in the world do I do that? <laughs> like, how can I actually live this stuff out? Because it's super hard. I've tried before, and I failed. Okay. Um, let me say this, because I felt that way, too. One of the first things we need to understand is to be known um, to, to, to bring God to the world, to be imitators of God, is that we need to make ourselves known by God. And it may seem counterintuitive because, wait, no, God knows us. We just talked about how he made us, how he made us in our mother's womb and, and how he knows all about us and all of these things. But hear me out. Are you really transparent with God? Like, do you really open all of yourself up like the end of Psalm 139 and say, search my heart, God? Know me? Because this is really hard to do. For me, this has been a very long journey of figuring out what this means to be 100% honest before my God. I am kind and can be a very private person. And I realize in my own spiritual life, I even sometimes try to hide things from God. Anyone else ever do that? Like I think of my thoughts or my struggles and, and I just think they should stay in my head, Right? They can stay out of my prayer and devotional life, or I don't need to tell anyone these things. I don't need to be so, so transparent all the time. And I find that sometimes I'm even trying to keep things from God. I find that sometimes in my own spiritual life, I am trying to keep things from my God. I don't even want to say them out loud. I don't even want to think them to God. But one of the things God has showed me is if I want to have this deep conviction, if I want to be known by this world for, for what I believe and that I have this Holy Spirit deep conviction, that I, it starts with me being honest first with God. It starts with me being really honest with God and saying sometimes, you know what, God? I am really hurting. You know what, God? I'm really mad. You know what, God? I'm really, really confused why you would do this, why you would allow this, why this happened in my life. You know, and I, yeah, I think I can do this without crying, okay. <laughs> so I'm a little emotional, some of you guys know that. We were just talking about this yesterday. Um, from my wife's hometown is a family that most people know. Um, it's a, a young man, he's 25 years old, and um, he just passed away of cancer. And his wife 
of two years has been writing about grief online. And uh, she's just been writing as a way to process. <laughs> and so it's kind of interesting because what's happened is because she's just been so honest with God and so open with God that tons of other people have written her and she's had some really interesting experiences. And, and, and as I said, she just passed away, I think, yesterday or the day before, and she wrote this five days ago. And I want to read this to you. Um, just as an example of what I'm talking about, of just being really honest with where we are with God. 1 Peter 4.13 says, and this is all her words, but well, except for the first Peter thing, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And then she writes, some days this thought is all that gets me through. This idea that the aching in my chest is something that connects me to my mother. It's something that connects me to my husband as he sits across the table from me with a similarly broken disposition. It's something that connects me to our friends and family as we all navigate deep love, pain, and fear in this undesirable circumstance. It is something that connects me to you. And in that, I think we begin to find our peace. I thought that was so beautiful. See, we always want to figure out how to grow as Christians. We always want to, how do I get deeper? How do I live by the Spirit? How do I experience miracles? How do I do all of these things the Bible talks about? Well, oftentimes it starts with us just being open and honest to God with stuff that we have not been open and honest about. God, I'm mad at you for this. God, I don't understand this. God, I'm hurting because of this. And this woman, whose husband just passed away, I see this and I think this is where it starts. If we really want to have this conviction, if we really want to know what it means to be known by the world, it is being honest with our God first so that then we can be honest with the world about who we are and our struggles and our strengths and all we are. When we open ourselves up to God, we find the power and conviction in the Holy Spirit to share with the world, as he says in verse 5. When we're honest with God, no matter where we're at circumstantially, no matter what is happening in the world around us, we can always be imitators of God. We can be known by God and known to the world as imitators of our God. And so church, let me encourage you. As Paul says in verse 7, it's not just for us. But it's for the people around us. And so you became a model to all believers. You encourage the church when you do this. When we imitate God, we encourage other Christians. In verse 8, and the Lord's message will ring out from you, not only in Zurich and in Switzerland, but your faith in God will become known everywhere. Because we will be a church who are actually honest about the stuff we deal with. We will be a church who is actually honest about, hey, we're not perfect, and we're not trying to be. We're trying to imitate our God, and He is perfect. We're trying to imitate our God, and He is loving. I know I don't love all the time, but you know what? My God does. Let me tell you about it. What would it be like if people didn't just see us going to church, but they knew deep down there was a conviction of the Holy Spirit that changes lives in this place? so church that is my prayer for us that people would not just see us that people would not just see god but that they would know god so 
your love, through our mercy, through your grace, through our forgiveness, through everything you do, that we would have a deep, deep conviction of the power of your love. Shall we pray? Lord God, we know that the Holy Spirit is available to us. We know you promised us the wisdom and power found in the Spirit, and yet, God, we hesitate. God, we know that you know all things about us, and yet, God, we try to keep them from you. God, we know that you are good, we know that you are loving, and yet sometimes we forget and fear. But God, we believe your mercies are new every morning. We believe there is nothing we can do to outrun your grace when we come to you with open arms. And so, God, we come to you now with open arms. We proclaim that you are God in heaven and on earth. We proclaim that we can be known by you because you have made yourself known to us through your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, and we believe that. We believe we sent, you sent your son to show us this way. We believe you sent your son to give us an avenue for peace and reconciliation with you. God, not only do we believe it, but we cling to it. We make it all of our hope. Remind us of your love. Show us your love in our adversity. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.